Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Oh, no, no, my coffee's cold. Sorry about that. Oh, hello, and welcome to the incredibly ineptly unprofessional Sugar, Silk, and Stretch, a unique boxing podcast brought to you by one ice cool presenter and a couple of ex pugs who I work with just simply because I like them. My name is Ben Doughty. My name is Michael Silkalashade. And I'm Gary Stretch. That was really good, actually. That was really good, Gary. You, you could be in films, you know, believe in yourself, son. Was the Guys, we, what was good about that? I just—it was just really cool, and, and like it, it was just. No, it was, know, it was suave. Like it was suave. You know, it was the here. Take a, it was suave. Suave is wine, Michael. Take it no, a please don't give him any suave. Silk. I've been getting private lessons from Michael about silk. Sugar yeah. silk and suave stretch. I like. I called that. Michael last week. I said, Michael, I've been having issues with my rough exterior could you teach me to be more eloquent and silk and so we've had about four sessions so far and it's i guess yeah. it's working thank you that's good i teach him not to be so hard when you roll don't roll your r's too hard it's gotta be you know it's gotta be smooth you gotta like yeah listen guys we have selected uh we've taken this opportunity with this episode we wanted to do a focus on joe Calzaghi and his legacy etc but before we get on to that there was some boxing action this weekend. I went to a show at York Hall last night, you know, the iconic venue in London's East End for anybody who doesn't already know that. Um, great show, actually. But I know, um, Gary, you had a few remarks to make about the Jack Catherall's unanimous decision win over Jorge Linares last night in Liverpool, actually. Yeah, I mean, it, it was what it was. Um, to be honest, I was more impressed with Lin Linares than Catherall. Um it was it was a chess game. It was a, you know it was a it was a um, it was the end of a great career for Linares. I think he he announced his retirement afterwards. Um, but uh, I was more impressed with a, you know a good display of bravery from Linares than a than than I was impressed with the young lion Catterall, who's still got so much to do in his career. He 
he was very mediocre. You know, I thought he could have upped the ante. He hurt early in hours at one point, but it was a very safe performance and uh, for me, a very boring fight, really. Um, His trainer, Jamie Moore, said that that Linares wouldn't have, you know, even a peak Linares wouldn't have beat Jack Catterall, which seems hyperbolic, does it not? Rubbish. Linares still gave a great account of himself and uh, looked good at moments, sharp, and um, it, it certainly wasn't a changing of the guard for me. Catterall did okay, did well, but he didn't super impress me. And what more importantly, I think, uh, Ben, is... When you're a young fighter, which is what we're going to get into later, I think, with Kalzaki, when you're a young fighter like Catrell, you've still got so much to prove. I think you have to entertain a little bit more, and that could be taking chances, uh, you know, pushing pushing for the win rather than coasting for the win. So, uh, for me, it was, a, it was a decent performance, but very under... It wasn't great. No, um... I wouldn't go, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't run to watch another Catterall fight, you know. One of our viewers has just said, should Catterall stop making a song and dance about being the uncrowned, undisputed champion, as he calls himself? I don't know about that, personally, because I think he's right to feel aggrieved that he didn't get the decision against Josh Taylor. I think Josh Taylor is a better fighter overall than Jack Catterall. I think he just had a bad style matchup for him. And he lost that night, Taylor, I think. He did get a gift, whether he admits it or not. Yeah, I, I saw that. I definitely, I saw that fight. And uh, yeah. yeah, I thought he had lost that fight as well. But so you, can, you can't blame a guy for shouting about it and saying, I think he said, Josh Taylor, where are you at? Let's do it. That kind of thing. I think it was some more profanity used. But um, I mean, I would like to see that rematch because... Did because he say get stood on? You know, you so, know what I'm finding, Ben? Did he say get stood on? You know, you know what I'm finding? It's like... I love that saying. I know Ben's going to have his opinion on this one, but if you look at the Fury fight, which is coming up with Ngannou, um, and Jake Paul against whoever, like, like what is becoming more and more um, financially uh, advantageous for fighters is the entertainment value. And so, like, we've shifted into uh, an era where, being a good fighter, you know, to get a win is is okay, but you're not going to make the money unless you entertain, which is why I think Conor Ben has risen quickly because he he's all out. He's like he's going <coughs> to kill you or get killed. Even Eubanks, you know, puts it out there. I mean, you've got to do more than just win fights now to make money and to get bombs on seats. And I think, you know, it was a very safe fight for Catrell in the way in which he won it. And I think that. Um, you know, now to, to make the money and to make the kind of get the, the, the bums on seats, you've got to be more entertaining. And it's, it's becoming uh, very obvious with the ridiculous fight of Fury and Nagano. It's not about who's the best boxer. It's like, it's going to be entertaining. Well, you say it's going to be entertaining. It will be entertaining, Ben. Whether, whether, um, it might be a disappointment. I'll watch out. If Tyson Fury just absolutely obliterates him, it will be entertaining. If he doesn't absolutely obliterate him, it will be entertaining. If Nagano hits him with a shot and knocks him out, it will be entertaining. I mean, I don't see a scenario that it won't be entertaining. Did people expect Ali versus Anoki um, in Japan to be entertaining? I, I believe they I don't did. I think that, that's this because 
Ngannou is a ridiculous puncher. We all know he has one chance of beating Fury, which will be knock him out. Oh, he's going to get. They beat. say that about Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor is a puncher. Conor McGregor is not a puncher, not in boxing. Couldn't break there an you egg. Go. There you go. No, Conor McGregor, I think he's. I think he's a big enough. I think he's a big enough dude to be a hard enough puncher if he turns it over right. I think that's what Mike's really training him for. I've kind of mentioned that before that Mike is Mike is training him to get to win one way, and that's knock him out. I would love to train Conor McGregor for a fight for the for because I think he has certain physical um, attributes. Kids. That that could, but I don't think he's being coached right at all. Um, he's not taking advantage of what he has. Mayweather fight, uh, for most of it, I felt it was pretty embarrassing. The performance, it was like, yeah, no, not you know. Um, but but I think Connor could be coached. But I think I'm not sure now if he could be coached if he's if his head's in the space because he has so much success i'm not sure if, if he wants to do the work anymore but uh if he was going to be a fighter he needs a different coach that's for sure sure um in any case um moving on to what we agree will be tonight's theme and we also said that it might be interesting in the coming months uh, on this podcast for us to explore little spotlight uh features on certain on certain fighters of note over the years there was a guy called Christopher Carter on my Facebook page who said, I would love to hear you and Silk and Stretch's opinion on Joe Calzaghe. Uh Clearly, he's a Hall of Famer, an international boxing Hall of Famer. He was undefeated in 46 professional fights. And, uh, you know, I certainly think he ranks as one of the of the best super middleweights of all time. But given that that's a and relative... Do you feel that way, Ben, because do you think the super middleweight division is short on talent? Or do you think it's, it's, it's a young talent? It's a young division, Silk. So the question I would ask you, let's say first then, is do you consider him an all-time great in any context or do you simply regard him as a as a super middleweight all-time great with the caveat that that's a young division? Uh, that's uh, such a convoluted question. I mean, it goes just so many ways. Like the answers that come back and you just go so many ways. They're circuitous ways, let's just say. But I, 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 I really appreciate Joe. I really, yeah. it's like this. You look at his record, and he has an incredible record. What, 46 and 0? And I'm not yeah. sure how many knockouts, but most of his knockouts, as you could tell, were, you know, they're bottom heavy. They happened at the start of his career. Yeah. Uh, and then once he started to move up in, in terms of competition, the, the KOs came less consistently. I don't know why. Maybe he had hand problems. Maybe not. I'm really he not did. sure. But, um, but there's one thing that he always showed, and that is, uh, and you know, heart is yes, he had the heart. It's that work attribute. It's that. It's that fearless. You know, the work attribute is just something that can't be touched on him. He's up. He's up on level with, in that case, with guys like I don't, I don't know. You name it. Pacquiao. Like, Sorry. Like Pacquiao. Yeah, it's like, yeah, like, yeah, and he would, as was just mentioned on the screen, throw a thousand punches. He'd do whatever he needed to to adapt to win a fight, and that's one of the things I really liked about about Joe. I like the way he he'd take a man's heart. He'd test your heart. I'll tell you what's yeah. interesting about Joe is that um, I saw an interview with Eubanks. I don't know whether <coughs> I can't remember when and where, but I remember Eubanks. Uh, um, 
talking about when he fought Kalzaki after a round, he felt he had a big problem in front of him. Yeah. So, so whether or not people think Kalzaki is one of the all-time greats based on opposition, of which he fought amazing opposition, but late, like he fought a, an older Jones. Bernard Hopkins, Bernard Hopkins and Roy but an older Roy Jones. But you've got to remember he was an older Kalzaki too. So you know we can't negate that he fought Roy Jones after his prime. Kalzaki was certainly after his prime too. So on that, Gary, I would say the Hopkins win stands up because Hopkins went on to achieve some major, major things after he lost an ugly close fight to Joe Kalzaki. Right. But Roy Jones was an absolute carcass of the fighter that had once been Roy Jones Jr. Well you and say I don't, that I don't Roy had a couple of Roy there still guys that would not be Roy Jones, that Roy Jones, but but I don't think anyone would beat the Roy Jones. Let's just put it clear. Um, Including Kazagi, right? If, it, if they met when I they were younger. You know, I love Joe. And, and let me tell you something. Joe Kalzaki is one of them fighters that you have to get in there with him to appreciate him. Um, he may not look... I've, I've, I've dealt with these guys in my career. I've dealt with them in sparring. I've dealt with a couple in the fight game. Um He's extremely strong as an individual. Like he's a strong man. He's he's got a good chin. He's very fast. He's very busy. He's probably very awkward. He's probably just a nightmare. Period. It doesn't mean he's is the most technically perfect or whatever. But he's like a difficult man to beat. He's um, his spirit. The kid is indomitable. He gets, yes. he gets hit and he comes right back at you. I've never seen a man ever get hit and come back faster than Kazaki. And, and, take, and, and somebody like he's the kind of way in which he fights is the kind that's the kind of guy that takes your heart away. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like you know you, you fight those kind of guys and no matter what you do, they're always answering. There's always an answer. Do, do you know Michael, I like the way you always talk about even ex fighters and even dead fighters. You talk about them in the present tense, which it makes them immortal. I'm not taking a piss. I mean I like the way you do that. I like the way you say yeah, the way Kalsaki. he fights it's Kalsaki. like it's still happening for you. It has it never stopped. They're, they're <laughs> no, Kalzaki is the heartbreaker because whenever anyone gets a little success with, with Joe, Joe takes it off immediately. You know, Gary, like you know the way some fighters they lose a fight. Maybe maybe good fighters lose a fight and say, Oh, you know, I realize I made mistakes. I'll go back to the drawing board, I'll put that right. Whereas Joe would do make those adjustments in the ring always, every time, when he's whenever he struggled a little. I tell you what Joe did. He never left anything in the chamber. You know, he, he, when he, when Joe fought, he, he gave everything he had. I think a lot of that. Um, Adrian Walters. I would think. I, I, think a, I, I think a lot of that, and this is a subject we can talk about. Was um, you know, there's definitely something when you have your father with you. Yeah, it's like it's like it's imagine you have a fight in the street and your wife's with you, like you can't afford to lose, right? You know, you, <laughs> there's, there's a certain number, even in the chip shop, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I with me, that's why I got knocked out. Um, if I'd have had silk with me, maybe I'd have um slid around the fish. And, and uh, no, I think I think that there was a very, said, I, can't, I can't fight you, I'm wearing my good silk, yeah. No, I think there was definitely. Uh, it's something I would like to talk to Joe about. I think when you enter into a fight, they were such a formidable team, a beautiful relationship, father and son. Um, and I can imagine as a young boy, 
I can imagine growing up as a young boy with your father and the time they spent together alone in times that people don't see that this incredible bond was formed. And I think that um, them, them kind of bonds uh, give a young kid and he turns into a young man and then a, a, a man. But it never leaves that there's this drive that you can't beat us, not me, us. And yeah. when you're fighting for your father, because his father's given him so much of his time and his life and his love, it becomes a very, very difficult person to beat because he has a he has a mission. He's not going to be bigger than him. And I think that that was a part of Kalzaki's career that maybe no one's even looked upon. But um, when you fight with a reason, I think that's why Joe, it's like if you hurt Joe, he almost panicked, like, I have to take it back off you. And yeah. he took it back off everyone, which is why he broke so many hearts and won so many fights. Do, do you know, in his autobiography on the back of it, he says, I've always had this obsessional need not to get beaten. And it didn't say to win. It said this obsessional need desire not to get beaten and i wonder why well, here's the one thing that i really like about joe um it's almost like fighters when you when you have like he wasn't exceptional in any one thing but he was a uh, uh, but he was excellent in a lot of things, in, in most things you know what i mean so yeah. so what, what i say by that when i say that i mean like he didn't have a lot of power, but when you're a guy who comes into the ring with a lot of power, you end up losing. Like if you lose, you'll lose because you're dependent upon your power. If you're super fast and that's your thing, that's what you're leading with. When you lose, you'll end up losing because of that. But you know um, what Eubank said? He got shocked in the first minute when Kalzaki hit him. He said course. he heard him immediately. Yeah, so yeah. He he him. Some he him, I'm, not, I'm not saying he, I'm not saying he's. I mean, there's a difference between a guy that's going to buzz you and a guy that's going to put you on your ass. I mean, it's he all did different. put him on his ass, Michael. Yeah, he, he floored him in the first round, Eubank. Okay, so um, Eubank's not an easy man to floor, you know. No, yeah, you know that. but, I, but I'm, what I'm saying is ultimately what I'm saying is when you depend on one of those attributes, power, speed, whatever it is, you end up losing because of that. And because Joe wasn't a power puncher or no, it wasn't perceived as a power puncher. He had to do everything exceptionally well in order to win. And that's yeah. that was the thing. So he instead of work, going right? like, you know, some guys are going to come in there and they're going to just come in and, and use their power. And, and the guys are going to adjust to that. And it's predictable. And like say Arturo Gatti. And so when you're dealing with a guy that powers overpowering them, power isn't the be all end all. Overpowering some certain fighters is not a good strategy. You need to pick them apart and do the things, you know what I mean? As you know. Now, because that wasn't Joe, like Joe was exceptional in all the areas. I think his IQ was underestimated because yeah, his fight yeah. IQ was incredible. It's not about winning, like, like, for you to have the ability to not allow Roy Jones to do what he wants to do, even an old Roy Jones, to, to not allow Bernard Hopkins to do what he wants to do. Um, that in itself, forget what you do to Joe, but uh, to um, Bernard Hopkins, but to not allow, Hop allow Hopkins to do what he wants to do to you is an extraordinary... Can I say something? Right there with those two fighters, with Roy Jones and, and Bernard Hopkins... One, it's a bad matchup for Hopkins because I believe that uh, Joe Kosagi is a better reflex fighter. And and I think where he beat Roy Jones is that he had more reflex 
than Jones had at that time. Ro Jones, Roy's reflexes were not the but same. We should take into account, it's only fair to point out lots of people thought that Hopkins won that fight. Loads no, of people. I right. didn't. I didn't. I, I scored it for Joe. But it was an ugly fight and there was a there was a Rizzler between them. I gave it to Joe. I scored it for Joe. But I was watching it with two other people. One thought it was a draw. The other one had it for Hopkins. Bro, Loads of people thought Hopkins won. Huh? Tell him to have another drink. It's really hard with Hopkins. He never beat with Hopkins. It's very hard. It's very hard to score some of his fights because the way in which he fights, and sometimes you don't feel like counting certain punches because they're they're like you know roughed on an angle from a different uh, at a different. I don't know. It just felt different to me the way the way um, Bernard Hopkins punches, and the, you know he does like a lot of tricky stuff. And some people may say it's bordering on the foul side of things. He does yeah. a lot of things that the natural line. You know, Hopkins made it. But he isn't a clean fighter, like a clean scorer, like you'd see, you know, like Roy Hopkins, Hopkins, if you remember, made the ridiculous racist cop comment, no white man will ever beat me. Do you remember that? White boy, yeah. No white boy. So he, he put a, a bone to chip on Carl Zaki even before they started. And so... Sure. Um, you know, there's no there's no space in, in, in boxing for racism or no, in no. life. I think he so, I think he said that more than once though, didn't he say that to the last kid who and it's sad he said it to Joe Smith Jr., yeah. I yeah. I think that Hopkins is when I when I listen to him, I think he's quite an evolved man. He's had a life. Uh, I think he has a bone to chip still, maybe his past or but the you know there's no there's no there's no space in boxing for racism. The stupid comment about being white or black yeah, yeah, yeah. is irrelevant. Yes. But he, he 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 put his foot in the sand, and I think young, uh, not young, but Kalzaki, you know, he, he laid down the glove, he picked it up, Kalzaki, and and he gave him an extra spur, like he gave him a, a reason not to lose, also, and so it became. I think that was a a comment he shouldn't have made because I think Kalzaki was never going to lose after that. I think that's just part of Joe's uh, mental uh, strength. So yeah, whether he used it for fuel or not, I I'm mean, sure I he did. I, but um, I, I just think Kalzak is underrated in the fact that, again, I... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Day, it's one thing being able to do what you do, but it's another thing when you can stop someone doing what they want to do. And Hopkins was very good at doing what he wanted to do. Roy <coughs> Jones and many others. Kalzaki negated so many fighters' uh, great uh, skills, attributes. Yeah. attributes, and and then and 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 then had a way to do enough to beat them. But the the stopping of them, allowing them to do what they did with so many others. Has not has, has not got to be uh, underestimated with how See, with, with, with a lot of guys with a lot of guys what happens when you're fighting is you throw punches when opponents allow you to throw punches when the, when the fighter's in a perfect place for you that's when you let your hands go when you think you can hit them and that's the thing with Joe Calzaghe he can let his hands go at any time at any point in the ring 
that he wants to let him go. He'll start his combinations on the outside and end up moving in and catching you with the, you know, he'll start with one, two, three, miss you with three and hit you with four, five, six. You know what I yeah. mean? And that's what a lot of fighters aren't able to do that. And that's that's a highly advanced way of fighting. Like you throw away the first two or three or you're using him as cover fire. They get you into the range and you hit him with the next couple after that. And I think that's one of the brilliant, un, nobody's really seen that or I, pays attention to those I things mean, about him. But I've always admired that. I'll tell you what else is underrated with Kalzaki. It was the <coughs> stripping of um, if you if you look at both the Hopkins fight and the Jones fight, he would take the best attributes. Example: when Roy dropped his hands, or or Hopkins, Joe would drop his hands and put his chin out, and 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 he would the psychological destruction he did of people was so underrated. I I got to make it clear, Gary. I give I give Joe no more credit for beating Roy Jones. Than I do Trevor Burbitt for beating Muhammad Ali. That's no, how bad no, shot I, I let, let me tell you, Roy Jones was past his prime, but Wait. I don't believe that I don't believe that uh, Joe would have been a prime Roy Jones. But I, I don't take that away from Joe. I take that. I don't think anyone would have been a prime Roy Jones. I think it's but, meaningless that fight. I've, not the whole. No, no, no. I think Roy Jones, and he even went on later to do other things. But I think Roy Jones. All due respect, would have Roy been Jones did nothing after that. Roy Jones fighters. did nothing after the Kalzagi loss. Nothing, literally nothing. I think Honestly. Roy Jones would have beat a lot of average, even good fighters at that stage of his career. Silk, Silk, you know, yes, you know, I am the production guy, Nazi. Can you put your handsome face right in the middle of the screen, please? I don't want to. I don't want to see half of that beautiful face. Um, listen, um, since you put it that way, how's that? Get, yes, I had to. I've got to be careful. I, I realize I've got to approach your ego like I'm walking up on a squirrel. Norman Mailer said that about Muhammad Ali. That's you, that is. Now, listen, um, his critics, Joe Kazagi's critics, cite the Robin Reed fight in 1999. They say he lost that fight. Um, I personally, once again, I don't think so. I gave it to Joe, it was close. Do you, do you have a view on it, Gary? Do you remember it at the time? Are you, how you saw I remember it? the fight. Um, I love Robin Reed. Um, but no, I think Joe won the fight fair and square. He edged it. He edged it. He was slightly better throughout. He, he got most of the rounds. I thought he won. Um, no, I have no qualms with that. You know, that happens sometimes, Michael. It passes into folklore that a guy was robbed. Like they say that about Mayweather and Castillo the first time, for what it's worth, without in inviting a discussion on that. I thought Floyd won that fight. Once again, close, but I thought he deserved it. Holmes with a spoon, same thing. I think Larry rightfully won it. But most people will tell you that that, that Spoon got robbed, that Castillo got robbed, and they'll they'll say that Robin Reed got robbed. It it becomes a narrative sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, I I you know I didn't see the uh, the Reed fight. Uh, I remember Reed was nice. He won the silver medal coming up out of the Olympics. Bronze, bronze. Yeah. I also think that you know when you get you know certain fighters. Uh, like Larry Holmes or like uh, Kalzaki, they expect you to win so convincingly, and if you don't, then it becomes uh, then it becomes controversial. And, and if but, the opponent does a little better than they imagine, a little better than you expect, then they give him far more plaudits than they should. <laughs> and I think Thank that, you. that you know they expect so much from these guys. And and no, he beat him. It was not a great night, maybe, but it was enough. I felt they certainly never lost it. That's a fact. Yeah, fair enough. Floyd so, so did Joe against Reed. 
So we seem to be in agreement that well, it seems our consensus, and we didn't discuss this. Simon backstage asked us what our opinions were, and we and we said we didn't hadn't discussed it together, and we were just going to go in cold. Now we seem to be of the consensus view that Kazagi was an all-time great and a wonderful fighter of many attributes. Who just had was the, was the full package, really. I mean, all right, you can he was the full package, him. but the, but the only the only uh, question or. or would have been like if he had fought somebody of exceptional talent at their prime, which is the kind of it kind of any any fighter that you have questions about their greatness, that's generally it. Did they meet somebody like Sugar Ray met uh, Tommy Hearns when they were both in their physical prime? Yeah. Did did Muhammad Ali had? Let, let me ask you this question, guys. Why do you, why do you think that? Joe Kalzaki never got to meet the greats in his prime. Talking, there was talking, no one in Super Talking, talking Hopkins, talking Tony, talking. Uh, was Mike McCallum on the edge of that career? Um, Not really. It was I, a I, bit I, I, super middleweight. No. You no. Know, Roy wasn't anxious for the fight either. Roy said he would never ever go to the uh, to, to, to the come to the UK to fight Joe. He said that Roy said he wouldn't come to travel outside the US to fight anybody. He said last time he did that, he got absolutely shafted in the 1988 Seoul mm-hmm. Olympics, and he said Gerald McClellan made that mistake and came back in a wheelchair. He wasn't go- Roy was not. Roy was all about the good well, old US. Mick, Mick, Mick Thompson asked a question, and he asked. Uh, he said, "If Calzaghe had the balls to fight Carl Froch, 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah." Uh, what do you think about that? I, I, I've always had mixed feelings on Carl. Frank Warren commented the other day. I, I watched it. He said that uh, <coughs> Calzaghe wanted the fight, and it was Froch who didn't want the fight. No, Froch wanted it, Gary. Froch, Froch no, no, was eager no. for it. No, no, no. There is, a, there is a video on YouTube. Go online. Frank Warren said he talked to... He said Joe was very... He, he said he used to have panic attacks, excessive, excessive. But he said he had many conversations. He said he offered the fight to Froch on a number of occasions and Froch didn't take the fight. No, no, well, I don't, listen, I don't it, know it was that, only relevant right at the end of Joe's career. It was literally right... Same way that... That, that Froch didn't want to fight the Gale and he and you know decided it wasn't worth it, couldn't be bothered with it. It was the same syndrome with Calzaghe. Froch was knocking on the door. I remember an item on TV when BBC briefly got back involved with boxing and someone had given um, Froch Calzaghe's number to phone him live on the TV show and he and he said, hello, it's Carl Froch. And it was a Sunday or something. And Joe's like, oh, all right, how are you doing? A bit embarrassed. And he said, you know, so what do you think realistically the chances of me and you getting it together are, mate? That's Froch. And Joe Calzaghe said, it's all about the money. You know that. You know, and um, it, it was it was Calzaghe who had other fish to fry, not Joe. Jo- sorry, not Fro- Carl. He was desperate for the fight. And what do you think would have happened? Calzaghe would have won. Handily. Handily. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking, because I, I, I can, I, th- I could understand the criticism of Joe about his quality of opposition. And I don't rate the the, the the win over Roy Jones at all, but I still think he was one hell of a fighter. And listen, you could say Carl Froch has a better resume than or a deeper resume than Joe Calzaghe, mm-hmm. but Calzaghe is a better fighter who would have stood Carl on his head in all likelihood, you know? I think it's timing too. Was there ever a time they were both in their primes or was one slightly past the other? I don't know. I think well, Calzaghe well, 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 was before Froch. Yeah. I think so. 
Um, Proch was coming up. Like I say, it was an identical situation when James DeGale was the mandatory for Froch for the IBF. And he badly wanted the fight to Gale. His people wanted it. Ambrose Mendy, someone you know, Gary, who it was a catalyst and you actually coming on this show randomly. I'm but... amazed that we never got to see Joe and Ben. Um, but then, you know what? Nigel was kind of shot by them because this, here's what happened, right? Nigel lost the, the, to Steve Collins the first time on that, remember that night of, um, it was, sorry, he, he twisted his ankle the first time, right? And th then they fought again on November the 9th 1996. It was that blockbuster night when Holyfield shocked the world and beat Mike Tyson. But you remember you had six world title fights, three in it in the UK and three in, in Las Vegas, all all on the same pay-per-view for for only a tenner, by the way, 9.99, I think it was, in Sky. And remember when Ben retired on his stool because because he realised he didn't have it anymore. So Steve Collins, shortly after that, was supposed to fight Joe Calzaghi. They were That's the fight he was trying it's for. It's incredible when you think Joe Kalzaki, the most predominant, dominating super middleweight of his time, never fought Ben, never fought Collins, never fought Froch, never fought... Uh, like, there were so many fighters. Now, was that... You're telling me it's all Kalzaki? <laughs> no, not at all. I listen. think Kalzaki was avoided by many people. It's just a fight nobody wanted. Well, listen, Steve Collins was supposed to defend the WBO title against him. on, on this What happened? Sheffield. Well, he got a blister on his toe, pulled out, and then retired permanently. And then, so, you know, that's why Eubank stepped in. It was a vacant title. Eubank was getting ready to fight uh, Mark Prince on the same bill, yeah? And then next minute, they said, listen, Steve Collins has pulled out. He's retired. The WBO title, we can make this you versus Calzaghi for the vacant WBO super middleweight title. So Eubank, who was training for a light heavyweight fight, just, you know, ever the pro and the old stager, sheds another, whatever, another seven pounds, and he, and he fights Calzaghi instead on like a week's notice, something like that. And then after losing to Joe Calzaghi, and that's a very credible performance from Joe, by the way, and his first step up, his first his first uh, world title fight, beating a guy like Eubank, who still had a lot left. And afterwards, Eubank said, Steve Collins must know something I don't. So, so it was it was Steve that, that swerved that fight, you know, whether he cares to... He to would that, never be not. Joe. Steve, yeah, so take a look at Adrian Walter's question here, Ben. It says it says ringside had Joe and Carl on with Johnny Nelson and Carl said if if it went twelve rounds Joe would have won if it was a KO then then Carl said he would have won I personally think Joe would have won exactly Mate, I if, think, if most people think Joe would have won um, it, it's always interesting when people say when they use that kind of like uh, comparisons to me like when it, uh, not Aiden but the uh, the the one he got the quote off said that. If, if it would have went 12, it would have been blah. And if it would have been a KO, it would have been... That that kind of thinking never made sense to me for some reason. I don't get it. Like, Go on, expand. I, I don't even know if I can expand on it. It just seems like such an inept kind of like way of judging a fight. You, If it's going to go by... If someone's going to win by knockout, I guess he's saying it's going to be... It's be this guy. You know, it's funny. Some another popular one online these days is it's either A late or it's either A early or B late. They, they, they like to hedge their bets. You know, you've seen that, Gary. They'll say either yeah. such and such wins early, or else the other guy will win late. I, I see that a lot. Yeah, it's like you're trying to cover all bases, and you yeah. just make, you just you know the biggest broadest statement, and and that's you're considering yourself to be a. Uh, 
a for, fortune teller by that. Which, on I this think show, that, we're not allowed to do that. We've got a league table, haven't we? Gary is two and two. I am two and two. I think I you're think, only. I think back to the point with Joe. I think I'm two and three. When we're talking about a career of Joe Kalzaki, I think Joe was everybody's nightmare in the division. He's a fight that you're not going to get him out of there very easily, and he's you're not going to outwork him. Uh, he's extremely durable. He's extremely got a high IQ, and I think he was just a nightmare for everybody. And I'm not sure everyone ran in the direction to well, fight. His level of conditioning was insane. Like the the punches he would put out. Like, I don't know if a lot of people can understand it unless you've really tried it, but that the work rate that he would set. You take a guy like very talented fighters and you put him in there with Joe and they're talented for the first three, four, five rounds. But once that heat starts hitting you and then then you start to see, you know what I mean? Then you start to see what's up. He, and that's he when he just separates. Because I, think, he, I think that's what's going him go a slower is. round. He's I've in, never seen him go a slower round than he does a faster round. It's incredible. And that's, I think, I think that's one of the sides of Joel that's underrated was that he, he had incredible strength of mind. It takes a great strength of mind to be that kind yes. of fighter. He was yeah. a winner, born winner. Um, you know, he did one thing. You talk technically and about talent. He did one thing that I don't believe I've ever seen before or since. When he fought Jeff Lacey, right, and everybody was talking, you know, Jeff was called Jeff Left Hook Lacey, so there was lots of yeah. emphasis placed on his left hook. And Joe was a southpaw, of course, yeah? Now, you two being boxers and with great intellect, so I want you to picture this, and I want the, the audience to picture this as well. So Lacey throws a left hook at Joe, yeah? And Joe's southpaw. Joe, send his southpaw, which you can't really appreciate on this camera. Joe rolls underneath that left hook the way you would, right? You can picture this in your minds, guys. You're both boxers. He rolls underneath that left hook and he hit him with a le with a, with a, a left uppercut. You, have you got that? It's I never see. And then after the left uppercut landed, he did it more than once. He span off with that what some people call a check hook, you know, a pivot hook. To roll underneath. I think, I think that's what happens when you're trained by your dad. Yeah. <laughs> Is, is that what happens? He says, it's like, it's like, you know what? But it works. It's like, it wouldn't work for anyone else in regular life. There's not something you would teach anybody to do. It's just, you wouldn't, would you? Not because it's unpredictable or, or it would work. It probably would never work for anybody ever, but it worked for Joe in that case because it just did. It just happened to, it just happened to match up perfectly. And I that mean, was his really, crystallizing moment. Regardless of people might say Lacey was overhyped and overrated. He was knocking everybody out. He'd annihilated Robin Reed and all the rest of it. And that was the, that was his night when he looked like Sugar Ray Leonard and Meldrick Taylor, you know, head speed, rolling roll into one. He was absolutely beautiful that night. And when yeah. you talk about boxing masterpieces, you know, where there's just complete beautiful dominance of one fighter by another, Kazagi and Lacey is right up there. Yeah, I remember looking at that fight, and that's one of the things that I just... I was waiting for Lacey to get started, and it was just never coming. You know what I mean? Like I thought, I thought, and that was a, that was an absolute blowout. And it, it you know what? They, they have an incredible relationship now, Lacey and Kalzaki. I believe a great friendship, and I think that's uh, you know when you when you when you share blood and you 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 have yeah. them kind of fight. They, I remember seeing something again where they have they have a real strong friendship now and love and regard for each other, which. Um, mm. Yeah, well, it's, it's, uh, it's easier to be uh, it's easier to be friends when you're the one that did the when you win when you won. 
Yeah, when you won his And you know, Joe wanted to pull out of that fight. You know that, Gary and Michael. Joe wanted to pull out the fight because he had a bad hand. You know, and you spoke before, Michael, about you, you're very seldom 100% injury-free a lot of the time anyway. But he was going to pull out. And because he pulled out against Glenn Johnson before and he pulled out other times, and people sometimes people called him sick notes, his dad, his father, Enzo Calzaghi, said, Joe, seriously, Joe, you'll be a fucking laughing stock if you pull out of this fight. He said, and not only Warren said this the other day that he used to get panic attacks and, like, pull yeah. out. like. And he said... And then, he'd, he said, then you have a conversation with him and he'd get back on track and he'd go and win yeah. the fight. But he, he said, Joe, this will be the easiest attacks, fucking fight really. you've ever had. Yes. This will be the easiest fight you've ever had in your life. Do not pull out. That's what he said about a lazy fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, they, and then he got his head right and he... You know, you can't... Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It, in fact, it gives Kalzaki more credibility than anything because my dad once called me a hero when I was a kid because I, I was afraid of a certain fight, but I went in and I won the fight. But I told my dad before the fight, I'm afraid, Dad, and he said, it's okay, you can be afraid. And I said, okay, I just want you to know. And we went in and I won the fight, Uh and afterwards, he said, Gary, you're a hero because people are not afraid. Who cares? But when you do something and you're afraid, then you show great courage. So it's not about not being afraid. It's about do it, going through with it and, and, and prevailing. Uh, I was afraid most fights. I had. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was never. What are the questions? Up. Yeah. One of the questions about... I had. Oh, sorry. Was you afraid, no, Michael? I was, I was like, his, Joe's, Joe's defense, he didn't have a conventional defense. Like, I don't recall him ever blocking anything, rolling with punches, slipping. You know, I didn't see any Duran or Benitez or, uh, you know. I, I why just, did you change the subject, Just? Why? I said um, to you, was you ever afraid? And then you went on about defense of Calzaki. Oh, right? no. Sorry, I didn't hear that part. Probably because yeah, I was yeah. he, myself. He talk. does that sometimes. <laughs> well, I, 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 that I said, Michael, was you afraid when uh, when you fought? Joe had this incredible role. <laughs> this is how you get This is how you get accused you know, of being The angry. audience want to know, Michael, was you ever afraid before fights or generally? Uh, no, I'd, I'd never. You know, you kind of, I know as a fighter, I always accepted my position of, like it's going to be what it's going to be. Like it, there's a, it's like it's pre whatever's going to happen is going to be it's predestined, no matter how I look at it. And I always thought I was going to win. I always even fights where I got, you know, blasted or whatever. I always thought I was going to win. And Ben, yeah, you know what? One time I had a kid at there was a kid at school called Joe Blackwood. He was my big rival at secondary school. We fought five times in the amateurs. Sometimes in the championships for the you know, for like the Northern Division of Western Counties final a few times he beat me the first three times the fourth time I beat him um, and and that was I had to fight twice that day and I won that won that particular region and went through to the next round so the thing is right Gary he's beat me three times although they were close fights but the people at school were giving me hell for it he was a hard kid he came from a children's home he was a black kid he was the best break dancer I was seen as a bit of a kind people saw me as a bit of a swat and a white boy, you know, the middle-class boy who lived in a nice house down the road and was just, some people never accepted I was for real. And it's like, yeah, Joe beat you. I finally beat him and I got a lot of credit for that. And then I remember thinking, you got to make a movie about that. I tell yeah. you. Right so there. anyway, we're, we're working on it. So, and we'll have so anyway. Gary play you. I like this. There we go. Yeah. Well, he's, he's got the haircut already. He's, 
um, listen, so I, I bashed in the glory of beating him. And then I thought, fuck me, what if I have to do it again? Can I really go through that again? He's beat me three times. I've beat him just now. And um, I thought I really wasn't looking forward to having to do it again. So anyway, here's what happened. There was a club show and I was supposed to fight a guy, whoever it was, on this club. It, it, just some working man's club in Stroud, Gloucestershire. And my guy didn't turn up, my opponent. Joe Black was there. Next minute, we're in the toilets. or he, I'm in the toilet. He comes in and he goes, I'm fighting you. And I'm like... And your heart I, goes, <laughs> Yeah, honestly, because they just sprung it on me. They're very like, yeah. your opponent hasn't turned up. Blackwood's here. You guys can fight again. And I remember thinking, I'm not ready for this, not just on a club show. You know, not, I just, did you spring this on me like literally a couple of hours before, not even a couple of hours before we get in the ring? Yeah. So I said to him, all right, okay, it's war. And he, but I wasn't very convincing when I said it. So what I did, I thought, it's the worst, oldest trick in the book. I thought, I, I'm not fighting him tonight. I'm not doing it. So I threw my gumshield down a fucking ravine. Uh, there was a big drop outside the club, whatever. And I just threw my gumshield into it. And I said, I haven't got my gumshield. I can't fight. I'm, and I'm, to be honest, I was already about 15 at this point, so I shouldn't, I shouldn't have been doing that kind of thing at this point. I already had a few fights. So I threw it away. His club saw that a mile off and were like, come on, fuck off. So they said, it's all right, we've got a gum shield you can use. Here you go, here you go. <laughs> Sorted, here you go. Just bite down on that. And I said to my dad, no, I'm not happy with this, you know, and I'm not fighting. And my dad talked about the father thing again. He said, come on, sort yourself out. Um, he knew what it was about, yeah. And, um, there was, a, there was a line in a book that we liked about Sonny Liston when he fought Floyd Patterson. And it was the, this book by Peter Wilson, the old Express Daily Express writer. And he talked about Liston. He likened Liston at one point as a hangman peeping through the Judas window. And my dad said to me, come on, go peep through the Judas window. And it turned me around a little bit. So I, I did fight Joe Blackwood. And that night, I really stuck it on him in the first round. And he retired with a bad hand and said he wasn't coming out for the second. So I beat and him then, again. And, and then what did that teach you? What happened about your dental after you used using someone else's gum shield? No, that's nasty. That is um, nasty. But you, it was a new. It, you just have to boil it and remold it, don't you? That's what happened. Ah, so you know. It was. Oh, so you boiled it there. Okay, I thought you put his like. I thought no, he pulled no. it out of his sock in your mouth. No, we we boiled a kettle and and it, but it but I do believe it wasn't a new gum shield. I do believe it was it was a second hand gum shield remodeled remolded for me. But um, but it did teach me something. Obviously, it taught me you know that. When you're trying to bottle something, you, you, you have nothing. The fear of some, the fear is irrational. Fear is just yes. irrational. In yes. that David Bowie song, fear is in your head, only in yeah. your head. So you know so what, fear your head. What, what they say, the fear is false evidence appearing real. Yes, I've seen yeah. that one, Gary. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So, so that was my in, story. You know what's interesting, Ben, is that when you've had the, when you've shit yourself like that, right, for a minute, the panic attack and you throw the, the, the gum shield in the ravine, what happens is you get a spin back effect where you get angry about yourself for, for letting yourself down, and then you get doubly strong by the time of the fight. You know what I think happens with something like that because it is psychological. But what you say, fuck that, that I'm angry that myself, you end up, in, it ends up empowering you. The yeah, fear ends empowered. up empowering you. You, yeah. you, you, without even noticing yourself, without even purposely doing it, that fear allows you to be faster. Allows you to be more powerful. Like one of the hardest things, and I'm sure Gary, in your career, you've had that as well. Is like I fought some guys that are scared, and they hit, when they hit you because they're so tight, it's almost like they hit you with a like a, a like a lead pipe. It's crazy. The fear they're punching at with you know, the fear they're punching yeah. you with is just like it locks up and just hits you. It shocks the whole body. So you have to be, you know. I love a bit of fear. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, we're biologically I, I I, built that way. We're wired that way to respond to fear. You, people, the, the problem we have is we're raised with, like, insecurity. They look at it as a negative. I look at it as a very positive. I don't like overconfident people. I think that it's the biggest turnoff I've ever seen in my life. When you see someone who's a little bit genuine, a little insecure, it's a beautiful quality. Insecurity gets you up in the morning. Fear. Yeah. If, a, if a deer jumps 20 feet with a lion up its ass, it jumps 30 feet. So 10 feet is a, is a friend, as long as you don't let it freeze you. So adrenaline is a great asset to us, but you have to learn not to listen to... It's a negative. It's a positive. It's your body making a super strength. It's making a super charge. If you understand it, you use it. You don't get a. You don't run away. Fear is a friend. I think Rocky said it in a in a line in the movie. It is a great friend. Just don't shy away from it. Except I'm afraid. It's okay. I'm not a pussy. I'm not going to quit. I'm not a quitter. Maybe afraid. I'm still going to fight you, but I'm a little afraid. But that's okay. Well, listen, look, good things happen. Good things happen. Good, good things happen and bad things happen. And you allow the fear to help. It's very much like it's very much like there's good things and there's there's positive and there's negative. And you could take that positive, and that's immediately that fuel you can use immediately. You could take that negative, it needs to be processed. And once it's processed, it can also be used. It's also a stimulant. Both both, you know, the negative and the positive, they're both. It's just the negative needs more processing. It needs more thought. It needs more effort. But it can be used to empower you. We're, we're brought up in a world where they put labels on things like fear, like insecurity, like all of this. You know what? It's part of life. Yeah. We are. We are. We're. We're full human beings. Full human beings have great. Uh, a full human being has a great. He has courage. He has fear. He has insecurity. He has. Uh, he has he's a full he's a full package it's just not allowing any of the particular elements that we are to override other elements so i'm sure you've yeah. also both i'm sure you've both seen that footage of a young mike tyson with teddy atlas crying yeah 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 but, but ben it's the same thing i mean take a look at like take a look at a defensive fight uh, a, a brilliant muhammad ali in his heyday or 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 any any of those fighters in their heyday, like the ones that are really adept at defense, it's the fact that they don't want to get hit. That is a that's like a department of fear. It's like because you know if you get hit, it's gonna hurt, and you know you're gonna be hurt and you could lose. So there is this natural aversion or uh, to you know to fear and the principle and the. It's about balance. If you have an object. No, it is balanced. If you have an object full of five compartments, fear, insecurity, courage, strength, it's a, it's about not allowing any of the particular elements to override the others. It's about balance. So I'm afraid, but I'm also courageous. So, you know, it's like the black wolf and the white wolf. Which one wins the, the, the wolf you feed? So... You know, are you going to feed the fear? Are you going to feed the bravery? It's up to you. It's a choice. And it's, it's you know, people sometimes, they panic. And you just got to stop say, you know what? Okay, I'm a little afraid, but I can deal with that. I've trained. I'm ready. I'm brave. And you George Foreman used to talk about being afraid of Joe Fraser and Kenny Norton. And I think, I believe him. You know, he said, 
you know, the famous line about the stare out with Fraser in Jamaica, the first fight, and he said that I was staring him down, and my thing was to to stare my opponent out to the point where they looked down. He said, but I didn't want Joe Fraser to look down because I didn't want him to see my knees quaking. It's all about. It's all about. It's all about being a little bit. It's all about you know. It's all about men. Where your heads at? It's you know. People underestimate the the strength of the mind. I'll give you an example, Ben. If I have a fight with you, Ben, now for no particular reason, who knows what's going to happen? But if if I have a fight with you and you have a cause, um, 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 yeah. abusing your son. Or I'm doing something disrespectful yeah. to your wife. All of a sudden, I'm fighting a very dangerous animal. Different animal. It's so, you know what? And he's the same guy, but his head says, fuck you, yeah. I can't you, lose. And now. Do you know what I, that reminds me of? Uh, Aaron Pryor, when he lost to Howard Davis in the Olympic trials, he said he just lost his mother. How am I supposed to compete with that? Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I've had fights in my, in my life, and I'm nobody. I don't talk like I'm some legend I'm just an average guy but I, I but I, I say I've, I've had fights in my life where I've thought he may be better than me but I also said to myself he may be better but he can't fucking beat me and I beat him every time because I had that mentality I am not losing today period you may be better but you won't beat me and and I and and it's a big the the, the conditioning of the mind is so important and normally, it's if it's if you're in an argument and you're right, you go to the end of the fucking world because you're right. Who did and you think was better? And on the contrary, and on the contrary, it's always about your opponent as well and what their psychological state is and how those two match up. Because right. you know, it's it's easy to say like we're the captains of our own journeys and all the rest of that, but the but the reality of it is. You have an opponent in the ring who's also thinking, breathing, fighting, feeling pain, feeling discomfort, or feeling like a beast and, and can't lose. That plays a part to it as well. You have to acknowledge those attributes. When, when I fought George Collins, right, no one can underestimate or say he was 70 fucking 3 and 0. Yeah. 70, 72 knockouts. Right? No, there wasn't 72 knockouts, Gary. No, it wasn't. No, yes, he was, Ben. No, he wasn't. No, he, yes, was, he not. was. No, I no. Pull up the record. Uh, one, honestly, one we'll fight. talk about that tomorrow. That he was not seventy-two. I KOs. guarantee you, he was seventy-three and oh, yes, but not KOs. No, no seven, way KOs. I, I, well, I read the record. So whether it's true or not, we were seventy-three and oh, we know that. But okay, I, so what are we saying here? What are we saying? Let's get this on paper because yeah, we will. You know, I'm, I'm, I know people at Pinewood Star. We'll find that one out. Okay, because I tell you for why it was one of the things that really bothered me. I was like, no, only one guy has gone the distance with him. That was something I never forgot, but we could check it. Doesn't well, if matter. it was, so, listen, I know who went the distance with him if it was, because I know the guy, I know a okay, guy. Okay, so but it doesn't I bet matter. you any money that it, he didn't have 72 then, rounds. Then it's irrelevant, but he was 73 and 0. It's not yeah. about record. Okay, so I'm a logical person. So you say 73 and 0, he must be pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. But then, in my heart of hearts, I knew exactly how the fight was going to go. I knew exactly how I was going to beat him, and I would have put my house on it. It's going around. Yeah, I, I looked at him. I saw what he did. I knew exactly how to beat him, and I exactly. I told my brother, "It's not going around." Okay, so who is? Are you give me some background. Who is? Okay, now, let, let me give you an example. So. I don't think there was a faster junior middleweight alive than me. I'm not being funny. I was 
pretty, I had fast hands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and so fair. I knew, and Collins used to catch shots all the time. He'd catch and catch. He'd catch and hit you and catch and hit you. And I thought, if I throw my shot full speed, he can't catch me. I'm too fast. He's never going to catch my hands. So I threw half speed, and I let him catch. One. Threw another jab. He caught it. Threw another jab. He caught it. Then I threw a feint. He went to catch it, and I just drilled him. There, his right hook. I knew exactly where it was. If you watch a little feint, he, he reacts, and I hit him with a right hook. It was the Silk wants a bit of background here. Georgie Collins. My Georgie boy. Collins is in the Guinness Book of Records for he held 11 titles in one year. He had 73-0. He was going for his 12th national title, which would have beat Errol Christie's record. Yes. This is as an amateur. As an amateur. Christie okay. had 11 titles. Collins had 11. If he would have won this final championship, it would have been the 12th, which would, would have been beat Christie's record and been Guinness Book. Yeah. But he was 73. only 17, so it was a junior success. But he was 73-0. and 0. Some people said 72. That's where I the numbers I was aware of. But Suddenly, this guy, this kid from St. Helens called Gary Stretch came along. It was the NABC national final. Um, for, so basically, 17-year-olds, both on the cusp of senior boxing. It was the final. There was a lot of her. Uh, it was televised, actually. Frank Warren was there. He'd already signed Georgie Collins to turn pro at 17, win or lose. And Gary knocked him out, spark out in one round. And then he became wow. an overnight sensation on the British boxing scene, grassroots. Nice. But I mean, that's a fight where everyone would say, "Are you nervous?" That that was a fight I, I was not. I, I saw it. I believed it. I did it. You know. Um, yeah. But it comes but, down to ability, right? And you you know I, I, your yeah, abilities, I mean, and you look my, at my, him my and dad, his abilities. My dad gave me the best advice ever because you know I was a little you know I had moments where I was just thinking, "Can I beat him?" Can I? And my dad said to me, "Gary, he's." He's beat 73 people, but he's never fought you. Yeah. And, and I never forget that. I said, yeah, he's, he's never fought me. So, um, uh, who's the worst fighter you ever lost to? How do you mean, worst? Who's the worst? Like, least good. Have you lost to anybody? Well, Julian Monville, I have, a, I have a loss on my record, which I hate because Julian Monville was one of my early fights, early career. If you watch the fight, you can find it. I've seen it. I catch him in the shot. He he, he starts to run. He's like an, it's supposedly an easy fight. You just to build my record, and he goes against the ropes. And I throw a left hand and miss, and he hits me head on head. Blood hits the fucking wall. They don't stop it immediately. About thirty seconds later, they stop it, and I get a, a loss. As a, it's a it's a clash of heads. It should be a no contest. And they put yeah, it but, as a loss. But I, I, mean, I understand that, but I mean a legitimate... Like, the only, only other pro loss he had was to Chris Eubanks, so he hasn't got a lot to I only for. lost to Eubanks. I never lost to anyone else. And before that, I didn't lose an amateur for 10 years. So no, he hasn't got experience of losing. I haven't, when, I feel, when, when Eubanks beat me, I hadn't lost in, I don't know, 10, 15 years. And then, so you had lost to... To that nobody guy, beat me at Junior Middleweight. And I don't want to sound arrogant, but I never got beat at Junior Middleweight. All welterweight. Wow. Yeah. So you, be careful yeah. with your diet. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty amazing. But, you know, I was, I, I was, uh, yeah, I have a lot of regret. I don't really think I fulfilled my potential, uh, but that's another story. It's another part. That's the hardest thing to do, isn't it? Like learning, living with regret. 
and not making yeah, the right decisions you know, at the right time. Turn left, I used to, to right. Yeah, I think that's why I think Mayweather's a, an exception because he he got sick of the position he was in with Aram. He bought his contract back and he and he made his own journey, you know. And yeah. uh, I think I think we all could have done some of that, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. We rely only on these. Yeah. Like, well, why that's can... one of the things I really admire about Mayweather, and that's his strength of mind and decision. Um, I'm sure you know. Obviously, he had people on his side with him, but ultimately, he himself was able to be the the captain of his own ship. Conversely, why rely on other people, Michael, to run your career when you could do it yourself? I mean, why, why, why? You know, yeah, yeah. But conversely, you're going to have the kind of fire back or kickback you have now. Like people will say, well, you've you you chose your fights and you chose to fight him at the time that was best for you, and not when it was best for everybody. Like it wasn't, there was never a level. I do think boxing has suffered. Never a level playing field. Boxing has suffered as an, as an entertainment uh, industry, you know, as a spectator sport from that blueprint, but you've got to weigh it up. If you want to have that debate, the rights and wrongs of it, you have to weigh that up. I mean, just look at Jake Paul, right? Let's this all do No, no, but all due respect, I think he's, I, 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 I don't look up at him like, a sophisticated business guy but i look at him thinking mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones blue nile has something she'll adore need it fast most items can ship overnight plus enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns don't miss our special mother's day deals save big on the season's most beautiful trends for a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This kid is just a YouTuber of Disney kid who's taken on the Arams, the Warrens, the Hearns. He's putting bigger shows on making more. He's just a kid. Like, fuck me. If he can do it, anyone can do it, right? He's just an example of, like, someone who gets up and does it. We get we give so much power away to these people. Like, why could Frank Warren or anyone run my career better than I could run it? I just. Well, do you know what, Gary? Funny enough, I'm talk, because we were talking about Joe Kazaki tonight. Him and Roy Jones at that point. Joe reckons he didn't get paid. I think it was for the. For, uh, I, I think the Hopkins fight was. He, he claims Warren still owes him money for that. So he didn't want Warren to promote the Jones fight, which is last fight. So he said. Him and Roy Jones called each other. They had meetings and they did the deal themselves. Because yeah. we're both old enough and ugly enough now that we can make this fight. We don't need them to make it for us. And I've heard people suggest that... Imagine, fighters- Ben, imagine me at the time. You know, I was I was a, not a huge name. I was a big name in my country. I had a, a following. I could have put a... I could have got a venue, right? Yeah. I could have got a venue, me and you, you and me and you, two mates, me, you and Michael get together. We say, all right, Gary, you're going to fight X, whoever, get a decent fight. Well, let's go and get Manchester Arena. How much are you going to charge us for the arena? We sell out 10,000 seats, which I did with Eubanks in a day, or 5,000 seats. We get the gate, we get a sponsor, we get TV. Like, this, how much money, the, like, why? But when you're Back in the day, I was like, you don't think about it. Now you look back, I'm so excited that people are taking their careers into their own hands now. And, of course, there's platforms that they can do it. But, um, yeah, we we give so much power to people that we really shouldn't. And they've been 
feeding off us for 50 years, these guys, and continue to. And Michael, I know, thinks they're overrated. Michael says, when we talk about great Hall of Fame promoters and legendary promoters and this Come and on. the other, Michael says, this isn't rocket science, what they do. No, he look does. at Tyson Fury. He's taking the... Tyson Fury, I love him. He's, he's giving it back to them. He's showing how to, how to, how to create a career. The biggest... Well, you know what people don't understand about Tyson Fury? The Nagano fight is now what is making the Usyk fight so huge because everyone now is going to tune into the Agano because it's, is he going to make it through to get to this one? And if they invest in that to see, then they're going to see the other one. So he's tripling the, 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 the economy, the, the revenue. Okay. So check it out. Uh, if you put Tyson Fury against without the Ngannou fight, there'd be half the interest. So Ben, I don't you, agree with ben, that. Ben, 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 you're 100%. two, right? Sorry? Huh? You're two and two, Ben. Yeah. And Gary, you're two and two. Yeah. Welcome to the club, baby. <laughs> no, I, I feel like a, I feel like me and you got we got ridden a little bit because we Yeah, we did, but you know, it is what we it give, is. We give Ben one back, yeah. We're all, but we're all, we're two and we're two. All on, we're all on par with Ben. Then yeah, the Ganu and, all uh, even, right? and and Fury fight, the Fury Ganu fight. What's gonna happen? I will not make a pick on that because oh, it is on. beneath my dignity. No, forget it. Deal breaker. Take a pick. Come on. What's no, it going to no hurt? No way or no. No, he's going to win. Fury's going to win. Real. No way. Oh, right. How's he going to win? How's he going to win? How's Fury going to win? He's going to stop him in three rounds. Three rounds? Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> well, that's maximum, yeah. Three rounds. Maximum three rounds. Ben? No, 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 forget about it. Forget about it. Come on, ben, okay, ben, just for fun. Save for fun. Fury on, will win. Fury, Fury will win. Fury will win. Uh, like what? Decision or will he KO? Be lucky you even got that much from me. Fury okay, wins. But, but, but is it KO or stoppage or decision? Uh, who gives a fuck? I don't know if he carries a motherfucker. I don't care. Ah, it will win. He can't lose. Wait, is this a 10-rounder or is it... Do you know what? I'll tell you what's interesting, fellas, as we draw somewhat to a close. We've been going... It's been a brilliant show tonight. We've been going over an hour. But listen... Um, so passionate. Do you know what? Yeah. Do you know what's funny? That's what his wife it's said, not, too. Listen, listen. It's not listed on BoxRec. Because I was looking at Gary's claim about... you know, Not his claim. It was on IFL TV that they said... Hearn rips British Boxing Board of Control for sanctioning Fury and Geno. I watched that, Gary. And Sorry, I thought, right? So if you look on a show like last, like last night in Liverpool, yeah, it, it says on BoxRec, Commission British Boxing Board of Control. Or it might say Commission New York State Athletic Commission, Nevada State Athletic Commission, right? I looked at Fury and Geno purely to see what the commission was, and it's not listed on BoxRec at all, which means right now it does not have the status of a professional prize fight. Why are they not listing it? Well, I guess it shouldn't be. A but, but you saw the the Eddie. Hearn. I did, but there's no. It's not even listed on BoxRec. So how the hell is the board sanctioned anything? Well, I guess they can always do it later, right? They can always just put the well, record. It's not in, happened right? yet, so I don't know. Yeah, uh, but, but 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 fights of that magnitude are listed on BoxRec. Yeah, but they ago. don't have to be. But they are. The, the reason why they haven't listed it, it's not like they haven't heard of it, Michael. Yeah, but there's a reason why that's remember, not listed. Remember, Ben, you're. Is there a belt the on the line? This is the world of professional boxing. No, it's it's Where not. Whatever, a goes, is whatever goes, obviously. 
It's, it's not, not uh, listen, I, I look at Box Rec all the time. I know about this. The fight is listed if someone's got a fight coming up. You can see, look at Regis Progray or Devin Haney. Look on their so box. So you're, you're, they're telling, they're me, you're telling me that if Tyson, you're telling me that if Tyson loses this fight, it's not going to see what's his record now. They're not going to put a one at the end of it. All I'm telling you is they're not listing it right now, which makes me wonder if they're even if it's even accredited as a professional fight. Because who, who so, saying, is the whole world going to say he was like, what's he? He's got he's got, he's got no losses, right? He has a draw. No, no, he has no losses. Just one draw, yeah. Ben, yeah, who wins the who wins the Haney fight? I like I like Haney for that one. I like Haney for that one. Which one? Devin Haney versus Regis Progray for the. For the W, for, for, I think it's a WBO like welterweight yeah. title, did but you, it's one of them. Did you see the other ridiculous um, possibility was uh, Mayweather v Tank? Oh my God! That's yeah. Crazy. You said something about that. Uh, yeah, and they're talking about Mayweather Pacquiao again, another exhibition. But, uh, but once again, hey. with the best all due respect, fellas, who cares? If some people want to watch it, then that's fair enough. But it's a free market, free world. But but why should it? Why should it be of any interest to us? If Mayweather does anything, I went to Mayweather's last exhibition against some Geordie fellow. Well, you know what? Because there's a lot of drama concerned with this fight. Like if if he fights Tank, him and Tank, I mean, he was Tank's dude, right? He was his manager, promoter, all the rest of that kind Mental. of stuff. There's a lot of yeah. Is, yeah. And so there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, they cross a, a lot of lines. It's it's a very personal fight. If that were to happen, I don't know if they've ever moved together before in the ring. I'm sure maybe they must have at some point, but um, I, I I tune into that. <laughs> I would. I would be like watching Ben versus Michael. Yeah. Ben what is Ben? Oh, this Ben. Oh, I thought you meant Nigel Ben. Hey, YouTube oh. fighting. There's a lot of history. <laughs> maybe one. Maybe one time we'll all go into like a basement somewhere. I, I know, like that Rocky scene with Apollo. Be like, yeah, Rocky and Apollo at the end, yeah. Okay, um, so, so we'll do, we'll do a round robin and we'll do you two first. And, no, you uh, two first. I'll fight the winner. What's yeah, that? No, yeah. <laughs> you two first. And, you know. And, uh... <laughs> On that note, guys, I've, it's been, I think it's been, a, I've, I've enjoyed this show tonight more than somewhat. Um, yeah, and thank we, everybody for writing in your questions. I'm sorry we didn't get to all of them. We will try. But we are highlighting them now, so they feel that we're not ignoring them. I, I'm glad it, I, can, I can press this button, see, and it brings up the, the comments. So I hope you feel we're being a bit more attentive with that. Uh, sometimes it's hard to address them all. But um, we'll be back next week. I don't know if we're doing Friday yet, because I'll have to talk with my colleagues here. We'll definitely be back next Sunday, though, by which time the Fury and Gano event will be history. And no doubt there'll be some more impassioned discussions about it. In the why meantime, did you say, why did you say we're a colleague? You said, Gary... Did you hear that? He said we call it. Uh, he, he knows. See, this is a classic fucking silkism. Just as I'm trying to be slick and close it out. You said that we're colicky. That's not good. No, he I said colleagues. Colleagues, oh, meaning oh, friends. What did you think he said? He said colleagues. No, like one thing I've said right you... now, you can write this in stone. It is impossible to close the show in a slick fashion with Michael Alagida. You cannot do it. So so let's just, you know what, instead of instead of cutting these ends off, let's, let's let them hang in the air forever. But colicky so is a Gary, real thing. Why are, you, why are you denying colicky is, be, colicky is a real thing? When you have a baby and if you give it... Mike, baby, Michael, do you remember when you said to me, don't interrupt Ben in the beginning? Yeah. I would like to say to you, don't interrupt Ben in the end. <laughs> 
I'm trying to. So I'm hey, trying to no, no. make it clear. Colicky is. I would like to say to a, a few followers that we have, without further ado, my partner and colleague, Keeg, will <laughs> shut the, will close the show down. Ben Doherty can can lead us out. Okay, thanks for listening to this wow. disjointed but charismatic discussion, fellas. We will be back next Sunday, maybe Friday if you're lucky. In the meantime, and don't forget Ace Podcast Nation who make this all possible. In the meantime, be lucky. Keep punching. Sports Social Podcast Network.